Welcome to the SPACs Attack. Let's get the show started. What up, traders? How we doing? Welcome, welcome to the SPACs attack. I'm fixing my volume there, you guys. You guys probably heard me low to begin with, but welcome, guys. Welcome. We're going to go ahead and talk some robotics today, guys. So if you're feeling like Iron Man today, give me a thumbs up in the chat. Let me know what you guys want to see, what you guys want to hear about the robotics. Do you think you can jump and dunk like Michael Jordan? I wish I could. So who knows? Maybe this robotic can help me dunk. Or maybe it could definitely help the industry in the industrials. So let's go ahead and let's bring on my brains to this show. Guess what? I don't got Chris today, guys. I got another brain with me. My man, Spencer. Half as half as powerful. My brain is half as powerful as Chris's. But I, I'm here, and I'm ready. I've been. Yeah, one of the things is we start the morning early, don't we, Spencer? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yep, it's gonna. Be, it's been a lot of Mitch and me today. I'm looking forward to seeing some other faces on the stream soon. But for now, you got you got me. I know I, I'm no Chris Catchy. I, I'm not Spacopedia over here, but I got headlines and I got questions for our guests. So definitely, definitely, guys. So give give Chris some love out there. He's still not feeling well. We hope he gets better soon. So we get Chris, our brain come, back. Come back to us. Come back to us, Chris. Please, we miss you. We need you. We need you, big man. But until then, we'll go ahead and have Spencer help us out and take us behind the headlines. All right. So a couple of things. Oh, I get the full screen treatment. Nice. I like it. All right couple headlines jumping out to me today. Uh, this one is interesting. This is not so much related. Uh, it doesn't have to do with space so much, but it's a space pier. Blue Origin, guys, I'm sure you probably saw this headline by now. They announced their initial space flight will take place on July 20th, but we don't know how much it's going to cost. Why? Because they're going to auction off the winning bid. The, the winning bid will be an auction. Um, it It's going to probably end up being a little bit more than what Virgin, Virgin Galactic will charge, which is a quarter million dollars per seat, but they're going to auction off the the first seat, uh, so that, that'll start in sometime in July, we expect, and again, July 20th is going to be the date of that launch, so watching space, SPCE, uh, as always, anytime you get a headline on Blue Origin or SpaceX, uh, gotta watch space because they tend to move in sympathy. Uh, moving right along here, some news from Capitol Hill. Two major U.S. senators proposed a spending plan, a $73 billion spending plan that would electrify the nation's 70,000 transit buses uh, in a move to uh, move the U.S. To, towards a zero emission transportation. This was uh, proposed by Chuck Schumer, who is, of course, the Senate Majority Leader, and Sherrod Brown, the Senate Banking Chairman. And I'm looking at ACTC. I'm looking at Arrival, ARVL. I'm looking at NGA that have the potential to move on this headline. Essentially, what the senator said is that only 2% of U.S. buses in the U.S. right now are zero emission vehicles. They obviously want to change that. So they're proposing uh, basically just buying a lot of EVs, 
mostly buses and vans uh, from the companies I, I just mentioned, right? Uh, so the plan calls for uh, zero, 100% zero emission. We don't know when. There's no date attached to this, but that's obviously the goal. At some point, uh, they, they said the average cost of a battery uh, of a battery-powered electric bus right now is between eight hundred fifty and nine hundred thousand dollars, and then hydrogen fuel cell buses go for a little over a million. Uh, but everything's on the table. They're they're proposing throwing money at the problem, buying more EVs, more buses uh, for transportation in the U.S. All right, another day, another short report for uh, DNMR. Actually, I just lost all my notes I had on DNMR. So sorry, I was going to talk about that, but then I. Don't know where my notes went. So this would see this is what happens when Chris is gone. Notes just get lost in 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 translation. So moving on, DNMR. I mean, you can look at a chart, see for yourself. It looks like every other spec out there has gone pretty beaten down. I want to talk about jump in here also. It looks like DNMR also got hit by Hindenburg today. All right, all right. So I thought two short reports, guys. I thought only one. Okay, so the Spruce Point. So. So what that means is is well, they is, did an update on their short report. That's what they did. They saw the other one do it, and they said, "We'll we'll update ours." Look, what that means is they smell, they smell blood in the water, right? Yeah, so they smelled it. They, sure. smell, they smell blood. I would be extremely extremely careful here. Extremely careful. Um, I'm going to ask Edwin Dorsey about this on Monday when he's on for. Uh, the, his weekly short report. We're going to ask him about DNM. I'm going to ask him to take a look at these reports for us and give us his two cents on on the credibility of the report. So that'll be on Monday. Uh, I want to talk about skills, guys. We talked about this on pre market prep this morning. You know, the earnings are almost irrelevant at this point because because the quarter look it, it was what it was, but it's growth stock and they're out of favor. So they reported revenue of uh, eighty three, a little over eighty three million dollars, which was up a lot. Up ninety-two percent year over year, and it beats the estimate. But that's not the point. It's really not the point at this point. Uh, you, you you look at the chart, and you can see for yourself it's down three and a half percent today. Uh, but what did the company say as far as fundamentals? So good revenue growth is still there. Uh, paying monthly active users up eighty-one percent year over year to around four hundred and sixty-seven thousand. Uh, av- they reported record. ARPU, which is average revenue per user of $10.35, conversion rate of 17%, which is they, which they say is better than the entire industry average by a factor of eight. They also raised their full year revenue guidance from $336 million to $375 million, again, above estimates. So the, the company is saying all the right things, but that is really irrelevant at this point because the market does not care this they they bid this thing up all the way up to 46 dollars up in, in in february it's now down at 14 dollars today so there's nothing the company could have said really i think that that would have stemmed the tide in skills for now it'll take in my opinion more of a broad-based turnaround for a stock like skills to to, to come back in favor um so that, that that skills you know they talked about their uh, partnerships with uh the nfl um, there's a few other things in there that they're, they're, they brought on a new CMO. Um, but again, numbers are one thing. Numbers are good, but numbers are irrelevant for now. Unfortunately in the short term, long term, whole different story, whole different story on, on skills. But, uh, as I said, down 4% today down to 1484 right now. And 
It's just it's a continuation. And I'm sorry if anyone has caught long. I, I really am. Uh, you had a great year last year. You had a great fall, and you had a great start to the year. And if you didn't take profits, then I'm sorry. But that's sort of that's sort of how it goes sometimes with with the growth. And um, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Yeah, that, that that's it for the headlines, guys. I know I'm I'm no Chris Cacci, but I did my due diligence in my research and came up with. I always I'm always watching headlines, so that's what I'm watching as far as SPAC specific headlines today. I don't know if there's anything else in, in, in the chat that you were watching, but that's what I was watching. And I mentioned earlier as well, if you're watching our stream at the Open, uh, 1 o'clock today, webinar from ARK Invest talking about space. Uh, so maybe you get some volatility there around Virgin Galactic um, or any of, these other, any of these other space stocks. So that's what I'm watching yep, yep. today. I'll, I'll actually point out one that's actually on the move today. It could be because of that, Spencer. But um, right now, I just want to tell you guys, if you guys want to stick with the headlines, and always, guys, stick with our SPAC newsletter. This comes out every single morning so that you guys can be the first to the news and not have to always wait for that. So definitely hit it up, guys. It's in the description below so that you guys can get that SPAC newsletter. Oh. And, and there is one, John Ullman, thank you. For, I actually forgot about this. Uh, Lucid, Lucid Motors Ride, which uh, we'll, we'll talk about rides tomorrow morning on Pre-Market Prep, guys, with, with Marcus Heidkotter, because he's trapped in this one. But uh, they named a new CFO. So um, you don't typically see <laughs> you don't typically see stocks go up on a new CFO, but you will see them go down when they announce the CFO is leaving. Mm. Um, in some cases, not in all cases, right? Like if the CFO is retiring, like that's one thing. But if the CFO like departs suddenly, then that raises eyebrows. Um, but a, a new CFO, like, look, if you're in a ride and you think a new CFO is going to turn it around, no, sorry. No, it'll take more than that. But we'll talk about rides tomorrow with Marcus because he's trapped in it from the long side. And, and we'll see uh, if he, what he did this week. But uh, all right, that, that, that'll be on pre-market prep tomorrow. Um, and that was it, I swear, as far as headlines that I'm watching. I'm keeping an eye on the chat. I, I, I'll, I'll get to IPOE later, Silly Rob. I, I have thoughts on IPOE as well. So we'll, we'll get there later in the show. Definitely, definitely. Now, one that I do want to point out on our watch list today, guys, SRAC is moving up today. Um, that could be based off of that Kathy Wood uh, kind of uh, – webinar and also we're going to look to see if there's some buys here maybe later today maybe they got some already and they actually start taking some of the stable road um if you guys know stable road this has been the one that has been said to be the fedex of space so let's see if this one starts moving and and we'll see if it gets up there you know who knows you might need some packages delivered in mars you know you never know i'm becoming so desensitized to the the blank of blank comparison like, oh, we're the Uber of this. We're the FedEx of that. We're the Amazon of this. I, I'm tired of it, Mitch. I'm tired. You got of to. You got to. You got to compare yourself to a big company, man. Everybody is the somebody of somebody. Man, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Hey, well, well, th- there you go. We, we might need you, Spencer, to become a CEO. I don't know, man. I'm just tired. Just be yourself, guys. I already <laughs> like you or I don't like you, right? That's how it is. That's how it is. And I mean, uh, when you think about the best, the best didn't really try to relate themselves to someone else, right? They tried to create their best companies. I mean, if you look at our companies, some of the best, let's say Apple, Amazon, they really did work on building themselves. And and I think that's that's something that you could take from what Spencer's mentioning. I mean, they they worked hard on on developing who they were first and then worried about comparisons 
and and, and that's what happened there. So we'll, let's go ahead and let's get into the fun time of our show. You know, today we're going to unlock some SPACs. We're going to get into our interview. But beforehand, I have a little video that I want to definitely put up to show you guys a little bit more about what this robotics company really does and how you could really apply this into use. So let's go ahead and let's unlock some SPACs here. I, I just want to say um, that of all the companies that that I've interviewed or, or seen interview seen, seen interviews of or talked to or whatever, this one is in the one percent of like most fun, probably right. Like most fun, but craziest like product that like I'm like you cannot help but be curious about this. Like you, I, you, you can't. This help. morning says it all. This morning says it all. I, I I looked at Spencer and I said, Spencer, did you see who I'm interviewing today? And I said, I said it looks like an Iron Man. He, his iron. eyes lit up. He was like, "Whoa, what is this?" I literally, gotta, literally gotta take iron. a look. Literally iron. <laughs> All right, Mitch, you have that video for us. Let's play it. Let's play it. Dude, look at that thing. Please. The future, man, the future. Actually, what it reminds me of is not Iron Man. It reminds me of Edge of Tomorrow. I don't know if you saw that. It reminds me of the movie Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. There's the military use. You know, you guys are seeing the military right there. I have so many questions. Mitch. Those hooks so probably work better than my hands. I'll tell you I that have much. So many questions. <laughs> there you go, guys. There you go. There you go. It seems exciting. Seems exciting. Let's go ahead and let's get into our interview today. We got the CEO here. Do you want to do the introduction? Do you want to do it? Sure. Let's, I don't want to leave you out. No, yeah. Let's bring Ben Wolf on. Ben Wolf is the CEO of Starcoast Robotics, going public under our uh, via uh, Rotor Acquisition ticker ROT. Let's bring Ben on here now. Ben, good morning. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. I have so many questions. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it, and I'm I'm here to answer your questions. That's what we like to hear. So what we'll do first is I'm going to ask some questions first, and then we'll let Spencer jump in. He's going to have some creative ones to jump in with. So you guys stay tuned for Spencer's questions. I'm going to jump in first here. All right. So first up, one of the questions that I have, of course, I mean, it's kind of the main questions, you know, why a SPAC deal to bring Sarkus robots here, robotics here to the market? Why a SPAC deal? You know, SPAC deal does a number of things for us. Uh, it allows us to tell our story in a way that if we were going a more traditional route, we couldn't do. Uh, and so I think that's that's really the, the main thing. It also gives us certainty. It, it helps us know in advance what kind of capital we're bringing in. We know what the valuation is and we know who our lead partners are from an investor perspective. So all of that enhances the certainty of getting the deal done and the terms uh, that, that all of us will, will be able to, to rely on to get it done. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things that we definitely want to pay attention to is the story. And this this helped definitely bring that story to light to, to those investors out there, the retail trader. Can you tell us a little bit of the background of the company? How long have you guys been around? And, and, and is this something new? Oh, looks like we looks like uh, you muted here. yourself on accident there, Ben. If you could do me a favor, just look down by the there you go. We yeah. got you back. All right. Um, so uh, the company's been around for more than 30 years. Uh, it originally found, was founded back in 1983, and it was focused on uh, prosthetic limbs, uh, electrically actuated prosthetic limbs. Uh, so we developed a core understanding of how to intimately pair uh, machines and uh, electromechanical systems with the human body. Uh, and we evolved from there, our focus on prosthetics into robotics, created a bunch of humanoid form factor robots in the 90s, used in research institutions to do the beginnings of AI. Uh, and we evolved from there into exoskeletons. In 2000, we got our first contract with DARPA, the R&D arm of the U.S. Department of Defense, to start the design and development effort for our exoskeleton. So it's been more than a 20-year effort to bring our exoskeletons to market. In 2007, we were acquired by Raytheon, and we became the robotics division of Raytheon. We were owned by them from 2007 to 2015, when we spun back out of them, became an independent company again, and set about our mission that we're under today to commercialize our technologies and bring them to market. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into some further questioning. Um, I was starting to talk about kind of the new, and I saw that you guys were the finalist in the 2021 World Changing Ideas Award. Uh, by Fast Company for the Guardian XO Full Body. Can you explain us how that award comes about? And it looks like it's going to be announced on May 10th here. So hopefully you guys, you know, push on through. But uh, explain me a little bit about this competition and how it came about. You know, they, they uh, Fast Company is a great company. They look for innovative new products and companies uh, that are changing the world. Uh, and so obviously we thought we would qualify potentially for that. And we were delighted to, to be notified that we were going to be in the finalist group. Uh, you know, when you talk about taking a machine like ours that you can allow anybody almost to get into it, start lifting up to 200 pounds with no stress or strain on the human body uh, and give them effectively superhuman strength, reduce injuries and make them far more productive in the workplace. Uh, that's, that's kind of a life-changing uh, uh, product. Uh, and it gets a lot of attention because of what its capabilities are. So we're thrilled to have gotten that kind of recognition and we'll see how the, the final uh, final selection process goes. Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is how robots and, and you guys state this in the investor presentation. You know, a lot of times people think they're going to replace our jobs. But what I like how you guys state is that robots really can augment that rather than replace humans. Can you explain how you, how you can see this working in the future? Yeah, you know, I think everything that can be automated will be automated just because machines can do things better, faster and cheaper in a lot of cases than humans, but only in those jobs where there's repetition involved, where the machine can do the same thing over and over and over again every minute of the day. But there are hundreds of millions of jobs around the world that are dynamic in nature. Either the environment that the people are working in is changing or the task itself is changing. And that's where we come in. We're trying to bring the benefits of automation from an economic and productivity perspective to all of those jobs that can't be automated. So our approach is to augment humans, give them superhuman strength and precision and endurance, and give them the ability to partner with uh, automation robots to do all of those jobs that, that can't be automated otherwise. Ben, explain exactly how this works. 
So it's a lithium ion battery powered machine that has a ton of processing computer power on it. So it's got the processing power equivalent to three servers on it. It's filled with uh, sensors and small motors and transmissions and a tremendous amount of networking uh, throughout it so that you get inside the machine and it feels like a natural extension of the human body. You start moving, it just moves with you and it amplifies and augments your strength and capability. It's intuitive to use. It has all the range of motion and flexibility that humans have. So it doesn't get in your way. It just enhances what you do. And you know, the, the people that we have that get in it and try it for the first time talk about how within a matter of a minute or two, they're doing heavy manual lifting jobs, uh, augmenting their strength in remarkable ways. And it's just, it feels like a natural extension of the human body. So like you, 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 put, you just put the suit on and then that's it? Right. Yeah. It takes about 30 seconds to get into it, turn it on, start moving, go about your day, doing your work. You can walk at three miles an hour. Uh, so it's uh, kind of smooth and natural gait. Uh, and, and you can do all the kinds of tasks that humans do, except instead of only lifting 35 or 40 pounds, you can lift 200 pounds. Wait, I have a stupid question. You say walk at three miles an hour. I don't know what the yeah, the human walking pace is. Is that is that fair? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what you see normal people walking at at kind of a regular regular speed. Okay, okay. So so uh, uh, supplementary strength. So I'm trying to imagine like, like use cases. Your the video showed uh, uh, like a baggage handler at an airport. Um, imagine there are some military use cases here. What are the use cases here for the uh, for the Guardian XL? You know, there are so many of them across so many industries, but let's just talk about a few of them. So think about warehousing and logistics, uh, loading and unloading trucks where you've got heavy or bulky items, you know, not your typical 30 or 35 pound package, but something like a, a barbecue or a, a piece of exercise equipment, uh, mattress, whatever it might be. You know, OSHA says that human workers shouldn't lift more than about 35 or 40 pounds. Well, what do you do when you start talking about something that weighs 60, 75, 125 pounds? Um, so we have the ability to allow a single worker to be able to do that kind of uh, manual lifting. But it's not just about lifting. It's also about being able to manipulate items in an assembly format. So thinking about being able to assemble two heavy components in a manufacturing environment, for example, um, or assembling, you know, putting two pieces of pipe together that might weigh 100 pounds each. Uh, those are the kinds of things that we can do on construction sites in the oil and gas field. Um, you name it. I mean, any place where right now you're having to lift uh, between 35 and 200 pounds where you might be using an overhead crane or using a forklift or having three or four people stand around together to try and, you know, shoulder something up. Uh, those are the kinds of tasks that we can do. So from a business standpoint, what you, you just sell, sell the, I guess you call them suits or I'm not quite sure, but you, you just sell them and that's, that's it. Is there, is there some sort of subscription model there or is you, you just sell them and that's it yeah we ask our customers to think of us as a next generation labor contractor we'll bring you next generation units of labor that are scalable in terms of being able to readily add additional units of labor we put them on in effect a fully uh, a, a, a fully serviced lease model so our customers sign a one two or three year lease and the pricing to our customers is roughly the equivalent of the fully burdened cost of a $25 hour full-time employee on an annual basis. So the idea being, I guess, you um, make your workers more efficient. Um, yeah, so, so, so one worker wearing our exoskeleton can often do the work of three, four, five, or more workers, and yet that exoskeleton is only costing the employer roughly the cost of a single employee. 
Talk about some of the – I'm curious about the union economics here. How much does one of these cost to make? Right now they're fairly expensive because we're making them in low volume, but when we start producing large volumes, as you'll see from our investor deck, we're expecting to be able to make them at around $65,000 per unit, our cost. Then we have a cost to refurbish them because uh, after they've been used in the field for three years, we think we need to kind of refresh them a bit and put them back out in the field for another three years. So it's a six-year six useful life, and we're charging our customers a minimum of $100,000 per year per unit. So per unit economics are pretty attractive, $65,000 to make it up front, $35,000 to refurbish it. We figure about ten dollars or $12,000 a year to maintain them and service them since we provide all of that as part of our robot as a service model. So at the end of the day, we're about $175,000 into a machine over six years that we'll be charging our customers $600,000 or more for. So you mentioned the, the production. Speak to that a little bit. When's that going to ramp up? So we start commercial production next summer. Uh, right now we're in the phase of completing our beta units. We've had our alpha units out in the field doing some testing. You may have seen them on stage with Delta Airlines CEO at CES last January when we did our first public reveal of the machine uh, with our good partner, Delta Airlines. So we're in the process of taking all the data from the alpha units, from all the testing, building them into our beta units. The beta units will get into our customers' hands at the end of this year. And then we'll start ramping up production middle of next year. We don't expect to hit kind of the, the 2,000 unit per production run volume until we get five or six years out. And that's when we expect to optimize the, the, the cost volume. I'm glad you mentioned CES because this does look like something that you would definitely see at, at CES. And I, I, what do you say to people that have a hard time just like envisioning this in the real world? There's so many conceptual things that, at that show. Um, this seems like it's just out of a movie, frankly. So, like, what do you say to people that are like, this This is not, there's just no way. You know what I mean? I, my, my first response, Spencer, is come to our facility in Salt Lake City and give it a try. Um, you know, I mean, this, this, this is real. This isn't Slideware. Uh, for those of the, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people at CES that got to see it live and in person, uh, we were doing, you know, live demonstrations the whole week of CES. Uh, we have the upper body there on site that actually allowed the CES participants to come and try the arms and see what it felt like. Um, and you can find some of the videos online that, that, that various CES participants posted. But it is, it's one of those things that you, you almost got to try it before you believe it because it is so extraordinary. All right. I'm going to go ahead and jump back in here, guys. I'm going to ask about the target customers here. So we're seeing three major markets here. We're seeing industrials, logistics, and also e-commerce. You know, with companies uh, to mention in industrials like Boeing and Caterpillar, in uh, logistics like DHL and FedEx. And then we would look at e-commerce, of course, we can mention big boys, Amazon and Walmart, but also the DOD and the government. Can you explain to us how you guys are really going after these target customers, Ben? Yeah, we've got, uh, I, I call them lighthouse customers. Uh, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to partner uh, starting about three years ago with some leading Fortune 100 companies and the U.S. military uh, to design the, design the machine and set the requirements and specifications for the machines so that when they come to market, we know we've met the customer needs up front. This is not a case where a bunch of uh, engineers got together and said, we can build something cool. Let's spend a ton of money and hopefully one day we'll actually wind up with customers that want it. We actually took a different approach. We partnered with Caterpillar and Delta Airlines and some of the other uh, companies that you see on this list and the DOD to actually set the specifications starting three years ago. Some of those same companies are our investors. Uh, so Caterpillar and Delta 
uh, Schlumberger, uh, they're, they're investors in our company. They participated in our early venture capital rounds. Um, and that's because they all believe in where this product could go and how meaningful it could be in their businesses. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love the quote that you guys have at the bottom there from Delta. They, they, they owe it to their the best airline employee on the planet to explore how emerging technologies can make their jobs safer and easier. I mean, at the end of the day, this is this is always about convenience. If you, if you really notice it to me, it's a generational move. Any way that we can make convenience easier and make anything, wh- whether it be whatever we're doing, make whatever we're doing easier and faster so we can be more efficient, increase that productivity. Is this really the goal here, Ben? That, you know, it, it is twofold. Um, the, the most direct uh, focus is reducing injuries and allowing people to be more productive. But, you know, kind of another, another focus uh, at a macro level is these uh, traditional industries are having a heck of a time recruiting enough new young people into these jobs in these industries. And a lot of young people would prefer to sit behind a screen. Uh, doing physically demanding work is not something most young people think about or relish in terms of going, going to do as they, you know, as they get older um, and get into the workforce. So you know, imagine saying you can be a warehouse worker or you can be uh, you know, a, a, on a manufacturing assembly line or you can operate one of the world's coolest robots. You can be a Sarcos exoskeleton robotics operator. Uh, you know, and, and so I think what we're seeing is this capability, this product uh, opens the aperture on interest from young people coming back into these physically demanding jobs. It also is a workforce equalizer. So some of the jobs that are out there where you almost have to be built like a, you know, a college linebacker to be a football linebacker to be able to do the job. We can now take somebody that is built more like me, you know, five foot six, uh, doesn't matter age or gender uh, or size. I can now enable everybody to lift 200 pounds, which means in a time when we have fewer and fewer people wanting to go into these physically demanding jobs, we have a much broader pool of potential candidates to put to work. Definitely, definitely could see the story there in construction. So Spencer has some questions that he's going to jump in here with. Well, I, I just want to clarify. So we're talking about the Guardian XO. Is, is that the main growth driver for your business? It's not your only product. I just want to... It's about half of our, of our focus. The other half is around what we call the Guardian XT, which is the upper body of the exoskeleton um, evolved into what I'll call a robotic avatar uh, product, where we can take that upper body, meaning the torso, the arms, the hands, the wrists, and we can attach it to different kinds of mobile or rolling bases. So in this image that you see from our uh, investor presentation, you can see it attached to a teleoperator uh, used in the construction industry. So think about being able to have the strength and precision that we offer through the exoskeleton, but now operating at 50 or 60 feet above the ground, uh, or going into a dangerous or difficult environment like a nuclear power plant where humans shouldn't be. So this turns the exoskeleton into a remote controlled robot, again, having high degree of dexterity, high precision, high strength, but in places where the version with the legs with an operator inside of it might not work as well. So it seems like you've already built the hardware. It doesn't seem like such a big stretch to, to, to assume that there could be some like AI integrations down the line. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, so AI is actually an important part of our evolution. We, we view AI as a way to future-proof our platforms, and we're working diligently on that. Now we've actually announced an initial contract with U.S. Air Force, who we've partnered with to develop our AI platform. The purpose of AI in our machines 
is to further enhance the efficiency with which humans can operate our machines. Right now, a human operator has to um, direct each and every movement of the robot itself. Where we want to get to over the next five years is get to the point where a human can allow the machine to operate semi-autonomously, where certain routinized tasks have been taught to the robot by the human operator. Uh, because we humans do things pretty close to perfectly in the real world the first time, this is not about trial and error approach to artificial intelligence. Instead, it's about wearing the robot, teaching it how to perform the task the right way the first time, and as a result, we can really expedite AI and machine learning. So that's our, our evolutionary path. That's not today, but that is part of our, our investment uh, in R&D going forward. So Sarcos is not quite pre-revenue, but it's still early days. How many years down the line are we talking about here before you're really scaling up production, but also revenue and then profitability? So this is the next year thing. I mean, we're going to start the commercial production next year. Uh, we expect we'll get around 500 units in the field by the end of next year. Uh, our goal over the next six years is to get a fleet of 43,000 units out in the field, uh, which may sound like a, a large number in some respects, but when you realize that there are 16 million plus people doing jobs that we think we can help in just the U.S., uh, where we can provide an immediate ROI to our customers, uh, we think that that's an achievable number. Uh, and obviously, because of this recurring revenue model, uh, the revenues grow as we get more and more units out in the field. Yeah, I, I and this is like sort of out of the movie for me, so I'm just trying to like wrap my head around seeing these in the real world. Uh, I, I don't, I, I think you were joking earlier, but I, we got a question from the chat in all seriousness, um, and I'm gonna ask it because just because I'm curious, uh, do you do like product factory tours? We do actually, yeah. Uh, cool. and we are uh, we're, we're just in the process of moving into a new facility, an expanded facility to enhance our capabilities. Uh, we are in Salt Lake City, but I think we'll be in the new facility, fully moved in, sometime middle of July. Okay, and then just again, sounds good. I'm coming through. Okay, excellent. Yeah, Mitch, it's not far from you. you, you no, should... I'm not. I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to come by. You think it's a joke, but one of the things that really. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. That's one thing I, I've been trying to do after the pandemic. I already got my uh, Fauci ouchie, as they say, but um, uh, I'm looking towards your model. The model, how I, I love the model here. So we're talking R-A-A-S. For you guys that don't know what that means, guys, that means robot as a service. A new one. And I think this model is definitely interesting. It's something that is, could be adopted. So explain to us how this works. What does this help? Where's the cost savings? Um, what kind of, uh, do you guys do maintenance? And maybe what kind of monitoring and updates would you guys be doing to your robotics? Yeah, so the whole idea is we're trying to be a counterpart from a company's perspective, a customer's perspective, to human labor. So the more we can make this look like human labor, we think the easier it will be to get to drive up adoption. So our customers don't have to write us any kind of a big CapEx check up front. If they were buying a typical robot, they would have to, you know, it would be a capital expense and they'd write a big check up front. The other thing that they'd be doing when they did that is they'd be taking technology risk. What happens if the technology evolves in a way that it becomes obsolete or whatever? We are eliminating technology risk because in effect, our robot as a service model is like a long-term lease. So at the end of the lease period, they just give us the machine back. Uh, along the way, to, to answer your question, we do service the machines, we guarantee uptime. Uh, if anything happens, uh, we'll wind up you know, being there to repair it, replace it, whatever needs to happen. Um, and we expect to provide software updates along the way uh, so that we're always optimizing the way mach the machine operates 
and is productive for our customers and for the, their employees. Uh, so it is a full service package. Um, and we eliminate all the barriers to entry because there's no customization required. There's no upfront capital required. We ship the machine to your facility, you uncrate it, uh, we train a handful of your employees and off you go. All right. So the question I would have to ask is, um, and, and I'm going to piggyback off of someone here. Uh, they, they made a funny comment there, but it was mainly that in all the movies, Ben, you know, the robots take over and, and kill the creator first. So they're, they're, they're telling you to watch out, Ben. But one of the things that I would state with that is how's the security of this robotics and the IP behind it? Um, you know, one of the concerns could be, you know, maybe some cyber attacks or something like that. How do you guys protect your robotics here? Yeah, so, so first of all, on the, on the uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek comment about the robots attacking, realize that what's different about our machine is it's being driven by the human. So this is just a tool being used by the, by the human. It certainly is a robotic tool, but we don't have a brain inside of this machine that can go rogue on us. Uh, we're relying on the human operator's brain, and that makes a big difference. And I think that's, that's uh, important to understand when it comes to our approach. Um, and, and then, Mitch, the second part of your question was... Uh, the second part of the question was going to be towards more the security of the platform and kind of maybe from cyber attacks. Yeah, so we do an awful lot from a cybersecurity perspective to ensure that there's no way anybody can hack into it, can take control of it, uh, et cetera. Um, the machine only connects to our central servers uh, once it's docked in a docking station, and that's a, actually a wireline connection. Uh, so unlike some of the you know, uh, semi-autonomous cars that are out there that have ongoing connectivity all the time or maybe they can be hacked into. That's just not physically possible with our machine today. Ben Wolf has been on with us here. Uh, we're living in the future, guys. That's all I can say. We are living in the future. He's the CEO of Starcoast Robotics. They're merging via SPAC with their ROT there. Ben, thank you so much. Uh, I feel like I'm living in a movie, and I like how I like it. And if I'm ever in the Salt Lake City area, I will be going for a tour of the factory. Excellent. Thanks for your time today, guys. Excellent. Definitely, definitely. Looking forward to it. I'm, I'm going to have to head over the mountains and yeah. head to you. Get, get over the mountains there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. As you guys see it there, you guys heard it here on, on SPAC's Attack. Spencer trying to take control of my my position. I control the layout. <laughs> it's just part of the battles. It's part of the battles. Hey, we got through it. Um, I, I could see I could see your eyes lighting up, Spencer. You're definitely like, yo, I had to take one of these for a spin. I got to see how much I can really lift with these and, and, and see the application. Now, I, I I can't speak for the company as an investment. It's it's really my 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 two cents. It is really, really early days, okay? Um, and I would want to see some real revenue before I considered it. Uh, and I'd want to see some real recurring revenue, especially uh, before, which they don't really have yet, according to their investor deck. Uh, but from a pure product standpoint, I mean, is that not just like the coolest thing? Like, like forget EVs, guys. Forget, forget cars. I, I, I'm over cars, Okay. Cars are, are, are last year's thing. It's about the exoskeleton robotics. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, from a product standpoint, how can you not be like impressed? Yeah, I want to try it. Of course I want to try it. Um, as, as an investment, I'm in wait and see mode. Show me that you can move these units 
and then and then and then we'll talk right i think it's a an interesting thing to talk about and i tried to bring it up in the in kind of the interview about how they're looking at augmenting rather than replacing humans for the yeah. jobs you no know, but and i mean they say that they say that now and maybe that's true now yeah like 10 years down the line there you know it may possibly they get so good at, that these these robotics just they develop and they, they they start replacing people. Maybe that happens. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe we got to stay in control of them, like this company is trying to do, where the human controls the robotics versus a brain of its own, and 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 that's definitely going to be a, a battle going into the future. I think you know, take a look at these. Um, one of the things that I would definitely point out, and that's the XT. Um, the Guardian XT, and this is definitely beneficial. I know that you might not think the other one is as quickly, but this one could definitely be adopted quickly. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's very dangerous for standard electric uh, line companies to be going up there into trees, cutting trees, fixing the power lines. And this person is just sitting on a chair now and accomplishing this task. To me, that that there's definitely some benefit there. I mean, yeah. if, if I could not be climbing up trees and, and risking my life and I could just be sitting on a chair doing the same thing, uh, sign me up if I'm that worker. I, I, I think in hindsight, I, I wish we had pressed him more on, on the military thing. I, I want to know more about that. Uh, I think everyone wants to know more about the military use cases for this. I think I think we all want to see like a crazy, or maybe we don't all want to see it, but, but, but a crazy super soldier uh, a la edge of tomorrow um but but uh we'll have to wait and see it, it, it you know the use cases are there obviously the use cases are there any any dangerous or physically demanding job could use something like this it's just a question of a can they make it can they scale up their production um in in an efficient manner and can they sell it and then yeah. and can they improve the can they make money on, on those transactions right and then and that's that's the same problem that everyone has right nikola we, we learned something though we learned something new didn't what, what, we, we raas i've never heard of that term before uh, there's a first one for me that's, that's another thing too <laughs> is, uh, is, is, robots is, as a service everyone man. everyone saw that the sas thing uh, caught fire and they're like oh okay software as a service hmm what can i put instead of software um fruit as a service robotics as a service like i, I i'm pretty sure blue apron said it's, it's meals as a service i'm pretty sure i remember that right so or or like uh food as a service at the and end of the day the service industry though is winning a lot of the times subscription models is where well, it's at uh, of course that that's 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 why right it's because everybody <laughs> loves that recurring revenue from subscriptions and and it makes sense it, it um, shows up on the bottom line doesn't it it does yeah 13 service as a service is, is what i need um so th this is one i'm going to uh well i don't know when the shoot we didn't ask about the uh the, the merger or anything like that um i forgot so so guys i mean this, this is one that we put in baskets right i always talk about baskets right so yeah. there's the long-term baskets the ones oh, that yeah. have revenue and then there's the ones that are kind of pre-revenue looking for that future outlook we're going to go ahead and put this one in that basket that's yeah. what it's about guys with SPACs keep them in different baskets. There's different SPACs that relate differently. Like if you're talking about hype SPACs, try to keep them in one basket versus let's say talking about like an FOA 
uh, that is just a mortgage company that's been around for years and years. It's not like it's something new that is coming public. And I think this is very important in the SPAC game. There's different types of SPACs, guys. They're not just all under one belt. It's like comparing everything as an IPO and then just everything is just going to move a certain way because it's an IPO. No, you got to know the industry. You got to know what basket to put them in. Like let's say an Airbnb in the long term. I, I, I love it. I love it. But there's some certain companies that have gone IPO this year that I can tell you right now. I mean, I don't care if I look at it in a 10-year outlook. I just wouldn't be too happy about it. Um, trying to let's go. I'm trying to understand this question. How do we highlight the name? I don't know what that means. Eden Garden. Sorry. How do we? I don't know. What do you mean? What do you mean? How do we highlight uh, the name? I don't know what that means. Oh, I know what they're talking about. They're talking about in the in the in the chat in the chat. So when you at somebody, it'll, it'll highlight that name. Oh, okay. All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. What they're talking about? I'm a YouTube expert, man. I know these things. All right. Uh, any other questions that anyone has? Uh, drop them in uh, about Let's this some or, ticker. or otherwise. And if not, we'll just. Do some ticker time. Uh, as you were troubleshooting uh, there uh, for uh, with, with Ben, I was talking about IPOE, which which I like. And then somebody chimed in. There's another financial services uh, SPAC, but IPOE is the one that I'm eyeing like a hawk. Have not bought it. We'll tell you when I do. Um, but I I very much want to buy it. And yeah, I have someone in the chat that is a big fan of this one too. Carl out there is a big fan. Um, so you're not the only one, Spencer. I mean, but one thing we are seeing is multiple bottom tests here of that 15. Can it hold on to that 15 or does it crack that 15? One of the things we've been seeing is a lot of these ones that are in the 14s and 15 eventually make their way down towards that 10. Sure. And so that's the only thing that's concerning here is, you know, it's right off of the support. If it breaks that, I don't want to look at it because it could head sure. down. Sure, I, I'm waiting for this bank charter, which hasn't come through yet. They applied for a bank. Smart man. They bought a bank, I think, to speed the process up, but they don't have the charter yet. They applied for it in October, so I'm waiting on that. Because if they don't get that, then that's a different story entirely. Because it, it basically put, ties one hand behind their back. But if they get right. that, then then I'm all then then I'm in. I'm in. Chat, chat. Let us know what you guys want to look at. I don't see any tickets flowing. Let yeah. me know, guys. Let me know. Uh, when is the merge date for IPOE? I don't know, Sue. I wish I did. I wish I did on, on that merger date. Again, we don't. We never know the exact dates. Yeah, you only know quarters, guys. You, you're not. They're not going to be able to give we, you that. We, we we know when we we know when they the vote when they're going to vote on it. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's that. when that comes out. That's a little bit different. That's but when know. yeah, when you're talking about the actual date, there you, you have to first find the 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 vote date, and then you'll see the merger date. Um, all right, let's go ahead and let's take a look here. I'm starting to see some stocks flowing through here. Of course, Susu wants to know about the Lucid, but we'll we'll, we'll dream another day. We'll dream another day. Let's go wait, ahead wait, and let's wait. move on. Uh, I want to mention real fast: if you if you are a follower of Lucid and CCIV, and you missed Alex Cutler, he was on the stream last night. He was on aftermarket therapy with Stock Mom. If you go to YouTube.com/slash Benzinga, go to videos, you will find it. Uh, it literally was right there, and he was on the show for like an hour last night. So, check if you're into CCIV, 
you're into that, check it out. But if you're not, then 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 don't. Let's we don't on. need to check it out. I'm the expert here. Okay, exactly. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you guys, man. Uh, CCIV is, has always been one of the ones that we'll keep a radar on. Uh, you guys know that we called it a little bit earlier here, but we'll we'll keep an eye on it. I think it could test 15, so keep an eye on it. It could come down crashing and then eventually comes uh, picking back up when we get some actual production coming out. All right, so RMO really being mentioned here in the chat so romeo 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 where, where, where thou i romeo art thou romeo you're i off the low and that's something to say that's 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 something off yeah the- um another story guys that you oh. need to pay attention to what the, the news flow it's the news flow that's going to change this the only thing that's going to change it is what our friend biden biden if you want to change romeo change it up change I- it up for me like all these charts look the same, and the only thing I can really say about all of them is, if you're in it, then my my best piece of advice would be just 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 forget that you own it. it like 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 let's say if you like you're way underwater and and you don't want to take a loss, then your only solutions are a write it off as, for tax loss harvesting, right? Offset some gains if you have them, um, and if you really are that adamant and you don't want to sell. Then just take it off your screen and then forget that you own it, and th- then at least it might help you sleep a little better. But it, it it's going to take a while for these things to turn around, I think. Um, and well, all and, and, and all all these things are multi year stories. Like why why did you buy it? Why did you buy Romeo in the first place? If you bought it because you're, you're a long term believer, then be a long term believer. Don't cry about it because you're getting crushed. You know, six months later, be a long term believer. You know Spencer's what I mean? saying that you need. To be a Justin believer, a Justin believer. I'm, I'm just saying, if you bought it because you're long-term <laughs> bullish, then be long-term bullish. Don't get scared six months later. And then, if you are scared six months later, then you know that you don't have the temperament for for buying individual stocks, high-flying growth stocks like this. And then you learned a lesson, and maybe you, you know, buy some, just buy spy and call it a day, right? If if this is freaking you out too much, and and maybe it is. But buying high growth stocks that go up a lot and they go down a lot is not for everybody. It's really well. Not- it was in November at least, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was for some time there. That's what to, happened. That's what that's what ruined up. the psychology it's there. Fun, it's expensive. fun when they go up. It's fun when they go up. It's terrible when they go down. Yeah, the, 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 it's psychology. It's a game of psychology, and one of the things that you always see is trends change, guys. And if you don't adapt, you get swallowed up. But a lot of times, what do you see? You see a trend change and all of a sudden something seems like it's an easy winner. That's when you can, yeah, yeah, there's time. But the, guess what? That easy winner is very, very short-lived. And, and you only have a certain amount of time to withdraw that money from that. And then eventually the trend changes. Um, but to say that all the SPACs suck, I, I can't say that. You know, Someone said that in the chat there. Um, I wouldn't say that because if you look at MUDs, that's a winner right there. Wasn't wasn't Playboy spec PLBY? Yeah, yeah, Playboy is a spec, man. It's a good one. It has a lot of has a lot of potential. One of the things that happened here, look at Muds. Muds is still pushing, guys. And I know that a lot of people are saying that all the specs are down, but Muds definitely isn't down. Uh, Playboy made a move all the way up to sixty. I mean, can can you can you blame anybody for being in that move if you got all the way up to sixty? Um, another one that we can take a look at. Uh, is SRAC today is up. Let's see if it gets some more volume. So it's pushing back up. That is a space play. 
Um, we're looking at some other ones. Let's see what, what's up in the chat. Let's see what else is being man- mentioned here. Uh, looking like some people are talking about GameStop. GameStop, wait, wait, wait for Power Hour, man. Wait for Power Hour, Jack, Jack Douglas. You can talk about GameStop there. We're talking specs here. All right, let's let's keep going through. Let's let's roll through. Let's like a next one up here. Looking like I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of the same names. GIK there. There you go. There's another one. Let's take a look here. So this one's really, really cheap right now, guys. Um, we're down to the 789s. You need to see volume come back. Volume is what's important there, guys. I'm watching UWMC. I saw that one being mentioned in the chat. I think this one's getting drilled down by Rocket's earnings. Rocket's earnings definitely didn't impress the industry. So it really did get drilled down there, guys. Uh, going down towards the 710 now. Yeah, that's absolutely a move with Rocket. Yeah, that's a move with Rocket. It was starting to look good there. It had a couple bottoms there. I was looking for this one because this one actually has some value to it in at least that the, the PE isn't as as pushed as, let's say, Rocket is or FOA. But as you guys can see, the Rocket earnings definitely turning that one away. Uh, let's go ahead and let's see what other, other SPAC we saw out there, if we see anything else moving. Um, looks like someone's mentioning in the chat skills, but we, we kind of talked already about that one. Oh, let's talk about this one, ASTS. This one's also a space stock that's moving up today, um, up about 5%. This one also could be because of the Kathy, the Kathy Wood. Uh, maybe, maybe it is it is it's in the space it's in the space industry when you see them all up like that and when they're all been down it, it has to do with a, a bigger catalyst that probably doesn't even have to do with the company itself because yeah. if it was the company itself it'd probably have a catalyst in our overview and, and and then we could find it right here in our overview but really i mean what do you see shareholder alert <laughs> <laughs> that's not something you want to see but uh, it, usually those uh, are all fake but uh, they're, 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 they're into those shareholder alerts are are are, are are usually BS class action lawsuits. We know it, we know it, but at the end of the day, you're not seeing a catalyst. So the catalyst to me would have to be that Kathy Wood. And also you're seeing SRAC move up a little bit. Let's see if we see another another space stock moving up today. Uh, let, let's see uh, SFTW. Looks like it's moving down a little bit. Let's see Maxar. How's Maxar doing? The, the, the leaders in space. Maxar is bouncing back 6% up. There you go, explanation. SPCE. This is the one that I, I, I'm I'm kind of worried about if you're holding SPCE. But uh, we got earnings confirmed four days from now on Monday, May 10th. So definitely look out for this one. Uh, it just doesn't look good. It looks like a huge head and shoulders on the daily chart there for me. Uh, doesn't doesn't look like the best there. I see kind of this shoulder, shoulder, huge head and, and kind of the body coming to it. But we're going towards the low. Let's see if we can hold down here and get back up there on SPCE. All right, all right. Let's go ahead and wrap it up, guys. Like always, we're going to keep building here on the SPACs attack. And like, if you guys could do us a favor, let everybody know the SPACs is where you get the best information, the most in-depth in information on these interviews. If you see these interviews on CNBC, you're going to hear the common questions, the questions that don't get to the in-depth. Today, we talked about certain aspects, how we could really use this, where's the advantages, how the service really runs, the growth model. And really, this is what it's all about. So definitely, guys, check it out. Check it out right over my shoulder, guys. This robotics is going to be interesting and we'll keep at it like always. We'll see you next time.